This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Uh, <clears throat> I hope everything's going well. Uh, you know, it's every week it's something new, right? Things are up, things are down. Things look great, things look bad. Well, I don't know if things ever look great, but it's just it, it's enough to just drive you insane. Don't you just want everything to go back to normal? And sometimes. What we want to do is like you know we want to just kind of give in and just get give over to all whatever these demands certain groups who are creating all the issues just give them whatever they want and I'm talking about the things the rioting and the looting and the arsonery arsoning that's going on throughout the country uh, I want to talk about that a little bit today I, I know I have been kind of avoiding that I've been trying to get more information to find out what's really going on. I'm talking about the Black Lives Matter group. And let me let me start off by saying that there's there's two things going on here. Well, I should say there's, there's multiple things, but I, I want us to understand that there's the Black Lives Matters gr- uh, movement and then there's the the meaning behind the Black Lives Matter. Now, the meaning behind Black Lives Matter, I agree with. Black lives do matter, just like white lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, all lives matter. Black lives matter, yes, and I get the grievance. Uh, I, I see what happened in with the case with Floyd. I don't believe that was racially uh, intended, but the man who had his knee on his neck killed him, and he shouldn't have done been doing it for that long. He shouldn't have been doing it probably at all, and there's definitely something going on there that we don't may never know. But it was wrong. It was wrong. And is there a, a grievance there and legitimate grievance? Absolutely. There sure is. But then there's this movement in the Black Lives Matter. And that is a dangerous movement. They're hijacking uh, the legitimate grievance. And we're, we're seeing that. And I want to talk about something. I want to talk about that again toward the end. But I want to bring us to this lesson in John chapter 11, we're going to start by reading verses 1 through 7. You're going to recognize this story, the story of Lazarus. That uh, John writes this. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Okay, man, do you think 
Jesus loved Lazarus. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I mean, the text points that out very clear. You could say he is his best friend. He, you, you, do, you do anything for a best friend, right? They're like family. I have a best friend, a guy, Chuck, I was in the Army with. He's currently stationed in Germany. If something happened to his wife, his kids, or him, I would I'd be out there. I would drop what I'm doing, and I would get out there. For, for him, for his family. He's my best friend. I would do, do that immediately. And so here, <clears throat> in the Gospel of John, we're told that Lazarus was the one that Jesus loved. And Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. In fact, Jesus knew Lazarus was going to die, but he deliberately waited two days after hearing of his illness before going to the family. And before he left, he says this, in chapter 11, verses 11 to 13, um, he says to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. Now, wait a minute. So Jesus waits two days knowing Lazarus was going to die? Now that hardly seems like the way to treat your best friend. And because Jesus waited those two days, he ended up arriving four days late for the funeral. And apparently, he did it on purpose. Did it on purpose. Do you, If you're a preacher or a minister, if you're going to go to a friend's uh, funeral, do you purposely show up late, half hour late, an hour? Do you do it on purpose deliberately? No. No, you don't. But Jesus did. He did it on purpose. Now, you know, whenever Jesus shows up deliberately late for anything, especially a funeral of a close friend, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. And the most obvious an- answer is that Jesus wanted Lazarus to be dead by the time he got there. <clears throat> now, and there's a reason. This isn't like the first person uh, that Jesus raised from the dead, and we're going to get to that later, but <clears throat> there's a reason. There, the Jews, that he waited four days, the Jews had a tradition about death. Now, remember, this uh, This is a tradition. This is not a, um, you know, it's not scripture. But in one of their their books, when they talk about their different traditions, it says this, quote, until three days after death, the soul, or you could say the spirit, keeps on returning to the grave, thinking that it will go back into the body. But when it sees that the facial features have become disfigured, it departs and abandons the body. So in other words, the Jews had this superstition that people were not really dead until after being in the grave three days. Interesting. I think, to avoid any questions about the miracle, Jesus waited until the fourth day. And that way, when Lazarus rose from the dead, everyone knew it was a miracle. He was, as some say, he was good and dead. (laughs) Now, in the Gospel of John, John records only seven miracles, seven signs. The other Gospels list far more, but John zeroes in on these seven 
in raising Lazarus from the dead is the last of the seven signs in the Gospel of John. And it, the number seven, that's symbolic for the Jews. Uh, they arrive to that number by adding three and four. Three represents for them, symbolically, God, you know, the, the Godhead, Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Four represents the four corners of the earth, and that represents the earth. And so when you have seven, that represents for the Jews, that number, God's will for man on earth. And that's why he sent his son. To show us his will for us, what he wants us to do and be here on this earth, and what he's going to do for us. And Jesus is showing us that here. You know, if you're driving down the road, there's going to be all kinds of signs, right? You know, by the side of the road. You know, what purpose do those signs serve? They inform you of where you are, where you're going, how fast you can go to get there. These signs tell you things about the road. You find, we, currently, we're finding signs about construction, right? Lots of construction. The signs that John listed in his gospel were designed to tell you who Jesus was and his purpose for us. And so, so this was a sign. And, and this sign is telling us something about Jesus. He tells us later on in verse 25 when he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And that means that Jesus came to be our power of resurrection. That he came came to be our source of eternal life. He literally came to take away the power of death. That's what the Hebrew writer talks about in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, when he says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. He wanted to free us. It was for freedom that we were set free. You know, we don't we don't like death, do we? It's not natural. Death is not normal. Even those outside of Christ who don't have anything to do with Christianity, they realize it's not the way things ought to be. You know, those who face death, often see it as a step into the darkness, a step out there into the unknown. According to research, the fear of death is one of the greatest fears people have. Aristotle, the philosopher from 2,000 years ago, called death the thing he feared most because, quote, it appears to be the end of everything. He didn't think there was anything else after death. That would be, that'd be scary, right? If you knew that this was it, you would never want to die. Chinese superstition held that if just mentioned, if you just mentioned death, you were basically inviting it to happen. So you know they avoid saying it. Now we Americans, oh, we don't have superstitions about death, right? Yeah, we do. We avoid talking about it. Most people my age don't have a will. They don't have you know, a place to be buried. They don't prayer, prepare for anything about death. They don't. They think it's far off. We don't have to worry about it. Or usually, 
We just don't like to talk about it. We don't like to deal with it. We want to pretend, even though we know it's going to happen, we like to pretend it's not going to happen and not even think about it. We don't want to think about it. It's death. And we have a fear of it. But Jesus came to deliver us from that fear. He came to offer us a physical resurrection from the dead. He came so that we might no longer fear death. So here, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And after Lazarus was raised from the dead, people were so impressed that they came from miles around just to see him. John chapter 12, verse 9, the large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. Now why? Why would the people come to see Lazarus? Why was this one so different? You know, what about the other people that Jesus raised from the dead? Remember the widow's son and Jairus' daughter? He raised them from the dead. Why didn't people come from all over just to see these people? I wonder if it's because he, he raised them before the four days. And so they assumed, well, they must have been asleep. Or they were probably sick. The spirit came. He, he made their spirit come back because it was coming. That's what he did. I don't know. But boy, the crowds came looking. They wanted to meet this Lazarus. And I've said all that to say this. The reason Jesus delayed coming to his best friend's funeral, the man whom he loved, Lazarus' funeral, was because Lazarus was his best friend. He loved him. When you have someone like that, a best friend like that, that you love that much, you want to do stuff for them, right? You want to share stuff with them. You want to buy them something really special for their birthday. If nothing else, you're always talking them up around others. Basically, uh, a good friends or folks you do good things for because you like them. And as I, I thought about this, you know, my mind began to drift, so I, you know, stick with me for a few minutes. I got to thinking, the Bible tells us the names of a lot of people, right? How many of you can list all 12 of the apostles right now? And I think if I give you time, you, you could get them. It would take you a moment. Or what about the 12 tribes of Israel? Can you name those? And you, you can name a lot of people. Why do we know Lazarus so well? Why? Because of what happened. We know his name. We remember him because he's so central to the message of Jesus. He was such a powerful witness for Christ that even Jesus' enemies paid attention. John chapter 12, verse 10 tells us, But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also. They want to put him to death. Why not Jairus' daughter? Why not the widow's home? Why, why is Lazarus so different? It's significant. Of course, they, they didn't get it done. Lazarus lived. The reason Jesus waited while Lazarus uh, died wasn't because he was being cruel. It was because he was giving Lazarus the opportunity to be one of the most 
powerful witnesses of his power over death and the grave. And that's the same kind of witness that he gives to, to you, I mean, to anyone who's been baptized into Christ. Romans 6 tells us that that was God's message to us when we were baptized. Romans 6, 4 tells us, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism, that's immersion, into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. I heard a story about a fellow named George. He was a, a drinker. He, he liked to make the rounds. They, they called him the rounder as a nickname. He would make the rounds all the taverns and bars, drinking and whatnot, and cursing and getting in the fights. And uh, the local preacher there at the Church of Christ tried to talk with him. He threatened this George, threatened to kill him that bad but he did one day have a have that study he did get baptized into christ and put away that old life and at his funeral when george died in, in the there was standing room only everyone there and the preacher got up to, to talk about it and he made a, an interesting comment he was talking about how when george was baptized into christ his favorite bar held a wake for him you see, he had died to them, and they were right. George had died. He had been buried and been raised from that watery grave. From, from that point on, he had a testimony of what God could do in a man's life. And that old, old him died, and he stopped doing those things. His life changed. When we, were, when we are baptized, that's what happens to us. We die to our past, to our sins that we've committed. We die to controlling our own lives, and we turn it over to Christ. But when you and I died to all that, and we were buried in the waters of baptism, a new life began. Not ours. We have to start taking on the very nature of Christ. You know, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, not only as a testimony to those who lived in that day, but also as a witness to us, a reminder of God's promise to us. Because what happens after Lazarus was raised from the dead, Jesus goes on to Jerusalem, right? He gets arrested, beaten, scourged, put on the cross, dies, and he's raised from on the third day. You know what he was telling us with that and with Lazarus? I can bring you back to. Romans 8, verse 11 says, If the Spirit of Him, that's God, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit, who or which dwells in you. And it's not talking about something, you know, mystical or some miracle. That's that happens when we die to ourselves in that watery grave. We remove our spirit. And our spirit is what makes decisions. And we begin to make decisions based on Christ. That's his spirit in us. That's the spirit of Christ. Jesus told Thomas, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He wasn't talking about physically. He was talking about the spirit, who he is. And Lazarus' resurrection is, is a proof of the promise from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul writes, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, 
but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality but when this perishable has put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality then will come about the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where's your victory O death where's your sting the testimony is the witness that Lazarus uh, was being raised from the dead. We will be too. Our baptism is the same thing. It's a testimony, isn't it? I am finding it more and more difficult to preach and teach out in the world, to help people find the truth about the things of the Word of God. Jesus ran into that same problem. They wanted to put him to death. They wanted to kill Lazarus. Why? Because he was brought back from the dead. It was a strong testimony that they didn't like that truth. And when the, in the book of Acts, when the apostles were sent forth and they began to preach the things of Christ, remember they brought them before the Sanhedrin and they commanded them, don't you preach in the name of Jesus or we'll get you. We're going to throw you in jail. We're going to scourge you. We're going to chop off your head. Remember James? They, they cut his head off. Why? Preaching Christ. Same thing with Paul. They killed him. They killed most of the apostles because they were teaching truth. So they came after them. They wanted to squash that truth. I don't like to talk about politics much from the pulpit, but I did this last Sunday because it's something that's going to affect us. The Black Lives Matter movement is being hijacked. And, I, and I'm seeing that a lot, a lot of people in, that, in the black community recognize what's happening, and they're trying to thwart it. But it's a huge movement, and they got a lot of money. And you know what they're doing? They're using this as a, as a way to take, take things over, to push this country in a particular direction. And if you don't see that, if you don't know that, you need to start researching. Look for the truth. Don't assume everything you're seeing is, is all the truth, the whole picture. Don't forget the, the, um, those Catholic boys from a few years ago. Remember that, that, that those kids, they were those high school kids that were in D.C.? They had on the Make America Great Again hats, and there was this video of them smiling at this Indian Making it look bad. It looked like all those white kids were being mean and, and whatnot, and everyone was condemning it. Even all the conservatives were condemning it. Even Ann Coulter was condemning it. But when the full truth came out, it was the exact opposite, wasn't it? It was the exact. Those kids were trying to keep the peace, and they were being taunted by others. It's not that you weren't seeing the whole picture. And I think that's what's happening today. We're not seeing the whole picture here. Something's happening. And the reason why this is significant for Christians is it won't stop with them silencing uh, the voices of over here or on this side or whatever it may be. We're next. It's always been about control. You think they like what I preach about homosexuality? I'm just preaching what the Bible says, but they don't want to hear that. They want to squash it. It's coming if we don't speak up. 
I love this country because it affords me the opportunity to study the Word of God and preach without fear of being imprisoned. Are you a preacher? Do you like going to the worship service and hearing this program or other programs like this? You better not... You better not just sit by and think, well, I hope all this gets taken care of. You better speak up. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be a racist. They'll call you a racist because they hijacked the movement, and they think that they're, they're going to use that fear tactic. I'm for Black Lives Matters, that, what that means. But I'm not for what this hijacking of the group is doing. I'm not for riots, looting, arson, rape. Murder. I'm not for those things, ever. Open up your eyes and see what's really going on. We have to speak up. We have to speak up. We're going to lose if we don't. We're going to lose. And uh, I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. I want my children and my children's children to have a place of freedom where they can choose the things of God. They had that choice. And this country has always afforded that. Don't think Satan has been just kind of sitting on the sidelines on this. His hands are in these things. And he will hijack all groups. Do not think that you have all the truth. You better research. That's why I like to hold back and wait nowadays to see what's really going on. And I waited on this. And I think, I, I think I'm right when I'm seeing going on in this world. So please wake up. I hope I, that you're not angry or offended at some of the things I said. I hope all I did was to get you to think about it. That's all I'm asking. Think about it. The same thing is what happened to the apostles back in their day. They were attacked. The, 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 their words were twisted. Lies were said about them. That's what they did to Jesus. Oh, man, he's trying to be a king. He's trying to do that. They paid people to lie. Nothing new under the sun. Please think about that. Pray about that. And I pray I'm I'm wrong that this country is not heading that direction, but that's not what I'm seeing. Well, folks, keep it up. Keep on keeping on from the Lord. Don't take my word for it. Research that research these things out for yourself and see if they're they're true. Feel free to send me some mail or leave me comments on our uh, website. Well, I got to get going. We're running out of time, but God bless. Take care. And, and keep our country in your prayers. Sending up to sweep away till she'll dawn the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.